0: If you're a runner who's felt held back from the joys of running due to an injury, surgery, or diagnosis, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Legacy Running, where we'll be sharing return to run info, insight, and inspirational stories to show you how to win back your happy place and build your legacy. Thanks for joining. Now onto the show. All right, welcome back to the Legacy Running Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah, and today we are going to be talking all things hip impingement. You might have heard this referred to as FAI or femoral acetabular impingement. It's all the same thing. The hip joint is called the femoral acetabular joint with its anatomical name. Um, But this is really one of my favorite topics right next to labral tears. Oftentimes they're quite linked and people will have both, but I think Above a lot of other diagnoses out there, this is one that I have just seen people unlock their potential be able to self-treat and just feel amazing long term so I love uh, empowering people to be like their their provider and be the one that is like hey when my hip hurts this is what I'm gonna do and I've seen really great success um, with this one in with this diagnosis of hip impingement so um, today we're going to be going over kind of the anatomy like what this is what it means um, I'll break down some imaging things, falsities, truths, all of the above. Um, What things typically aggravate it, hopes for like what to do, like actual practical strategies um, and, and intertwine some fun stories in there. But let's just get right into it. So the hip joint, for those of you that don't know, is a ball and socket joint. And It is a pretty mobile joint, but it's also one of the most stable joints in our body because we have some super, super thick ligaments um, that are around the hip. If you guys ever are just interested, feel free to Google the hip ligaments and they are like thick slings that keep that thing in there. It's actually quite remarkable. Um, the hip and shoulders are kind of like sister, sister brother joints. Um, they have a sim- similar anatomical makeup, but the shoulder is just way more mobile and has doesn't have as thick of ligaments. So, fun fact, the more you know. Um, but with hip impingement, we'll see the in the ball and socket joint. So the the femur or the leg, like the very very top of that, we have this ball that sits in our pelvic socket. So with hip impingement, we'll see the ball being too big for the socket or the socket being too small for the ball. So um, if you just imagine like a baseball glove and then the baseball coming in, imagine if that glove was too small or imagine if the ball was too big for, for the baseball glove. It just would be incongruent. Um, And something that is challenging with hip impingement is that if you're a very logical person, like I, I tend to be pretty logical when it comes to my body and the things that I want to do, I want to have a very like streamlined approach. Um, I think this is something that is challenging with imaging. So if we get, if we've been having hip pain and you know, we get our x-ray MRI, whatever ordered, and we see that there is impingement in the hip joint. So either a cam or pin impingement is the terminology you can see where it's either the head is too big for the socket that's a cam or um, the socket is too small for the ball that's a pincer pincer impingement um, then it's like well there's a clear incongruency like there's something clearly quote unquote wrong with my hip and I think because of that like lo- logicalness it leads a lot of people to think well I need to have surgery to fix this. Like if I just fix this incongruency, then I'm going to feel better. And while I'm not here to say that that's right or wrong, I will say that there is a ton of there's a lot of multifactorial reasons why you might be having symptomatic hip impingement. Your, your like bone or the cartilage that's being compressed might actually not be the primary driver. Um, it could be tendons. It could be muscles. It could be irritation to the capsule. could be a lot of different things could be referred from the low back. Um, so, you know, before you're like quick to just be like, well, I just need to get this Fix. I would really have multiple opinions, multiple surgeons, um, a physical therapist that, you know, you feel really confident, like they really have seen this before and kind of know what's going on. Um, just to check out and like, say, Hey, I actually think if we, you know, if we kind of Put our effects more towards this or um, try these things, you, you might be able to, to completely avoid surgery. So that's just my, that's just my pitch to, to get multiple opinions before you like really settle, um, settle in on surgery. But I totally get it. It's like, if this is incongruent, it's like, oh, like, why don't I just get this fixed? But I promise the body is just not that cut and dry. Um, and there's there was a really great article done by Palmer et al. I forget the year, but Palmer et al. It's a hip impingement, um, like systematic review of all of these different um hip articles on people that had impingement and they they kind of uh reviewed people that went to pt and people that went to um went in for surgery and they found that like for all these people that had hip impingement on their imaging the the road to surgery was not just like surgery they defined it as like the people that had the best success either you know with pt or with surgery or with both um, are the ones that had like a really cumulative um cumulative decision with the, uh, surgeon, PT, MD, and patient all put together. It wasn't just like this streamlined thing. It was a really great, um, conversation. And another thing that I will say is that hip impingement is more common than we think. There are a lot of people that are walking around with asymptomatic, meaning they're not feeling anything, um, hip impingement, where they do have those like anatomical differences, but they are, not feeling anything and you know for whatever reason you might be the lucky person that feels something um and while i feel for you uh that just is the reality that it's really common and so moving forward um with surgery right away is is i just think maybe not the best decision until you until it's been made the best decision um by you like really really digging deep and figuring out what is best for you but Moving on, some of the, the some of the big things that bother hips with um, hip impingement, and and if you're someone that struggles with this, like you probably know what are the things that are going to bother you. But I also just feel like there's so much power in knowing the things that are potentially the the things, positions, whatnot that are potentially going to bother you. And, and as I see my clients get better and like become um, more controlled or stronger or more resilient, they're able to do these things more. Um, but sometimes it's just nice to know that if, Hey, sitting on an eight hour plane ride, I know it's going to bother me, then I'm going to do some things around that time to make it feel better. Um, but the hip is bothered that has impingement when it's in a really closed position. So if you imagine something like bringing my knee all the way up to my chest and then bringing it across my body, that that position is really going to close down the hip joint and potentially cause some pinching at like that cartilage kind of joint level. Um, another way this could happen is like a really, really deep squat when you're like all the way in the hole um, that can cause hip impingement. Another thing is like, if you're bending forward for long periods of time. So people that like to garden, this is a big one that I see, um, with some of my clients, those, that idea of like the body, like closing in on itself and that forward folded position is going to put the hip in that closed pack position. So when we're thinking of what that looks like functionally, you know, it might be things that bother you might be like sitting at work for long periods of time. And I'll go over some strategies on how to, how to make these more comfortable, um, and things that have been successful with my clients, but sitting at work for long periods of time or sitting on a plane. I know that that's a huge one for people that have hip hip impingement um long bouts of bending forward so again like gardening um yard work uh just, I don't know, moving things that you're just having to be, um, in awkward positions and, and bending straight forward. Um, for my lifters out there, I know deadlifting can be an irritator Sometimes just coming into that position and having that like a ton of muscular tension, um, is, it can be an aggravator. And another one is just sitting with your knees to your chest. So like Um, I have a client who is a mom and is on the floor a lot and she kind of found herself with her right hip all the way up to her chest often. Um, And truly, once we identified that as an aggravating factor and, and had her straighten that out or kind of sit on like a beanbag or something that propped her up a little bit higher, she had a huge... Um, resolution to your symptoms, which is just, it's so cool to just be able to um, identify maybe what are some aggravators and, and kind of putting parameters around it to um, make it a little bit more comfortable. But moving on now, what I really want to do is just instill and give you guys some hope around hip impingement. Like I said, I have talked to so many people that are like, once I found this thing, or once I figured out this things really, really changed the game. So I was actually doing a book interview with a gal who is a um, triathlete. She's a former division one swimmer um, breaststroker. They found that she had hip impingement and liberal tears. Um, in her hips, and she really, really just didn't want to go in for surgery. And I remember she went to a physical therapist who's actually one of my good friends and found out about a banded mobilization. So, if you imagine this with me, it's like a really thick band that you just put right up in the hip joint, like think right all the way up in the joint, and you have that tension and it's pulling you backwards. And you could either be like kind of kneeling on hands and knees and rocking back and having that band pull you as you're going into that flexed forward position, um, or you could have the band and be squatting. So as you're squatting down into that flex forward position, that band's pulling you back. And she was like, Sarah, when I learned about this thing, it completely changed my life. She was like, this thing is the thing that I can do. And then I can go sit and I can go, you know, go lift. I can go swim. I can go bike. I can go do the things that I want to do. And like, this is a game changer. Um, and, and just time and time again, like I've just seen, um, that these hips respond really, really well to treatment and to activity modification. So let me give you a nice list of things that my clients have done and have really enjoyed. Um, in general, I will just say that these hips love motion. Like if you imagine that, that ball is kind of stuck in the socket, imagine that there's just less like joint lubrication. There's less fluid going on because there's less room. If we can actually get that hip to move more throughout the day, we are going to do what's called imbibing fluid. So we're going to put more fluid into the joint uh, via that motion. And we are going to allow for more joint lubrication to happen. Um, And then these hips are therefore going to be happier so I have um, there's another gal that came on the podcast her name's Lindsay she uh, was diagnosed with FAI impingement and um, a liberal tear and she found that you know during the time when she was um, really going through the thick of her diagnosis people were telling her you're probably not going to be able to run you probably shouldn't bike you probably shouldn't you know do these high intensity activities and now that she's really worked through the thick of it she's like I actually feel better when I'm in a training cycle for she's a triathlete for a triathlon because I'm getting more hip motion in, um, you know, it's important to figure out what kind of our parameters are and what are the things that are going to help us feel better, like individually. Because you know, someone might not be able to do a full triathlon, whereas she might feel better doing that. So there's obviously individual parameters, but in general, these hips just love motion. Um, if you are a person that has a lot of pain with sitting uh, for work, like I have a gal who's a programmer and she like the general principle for work and and sitting for desk jobs and whatnot is like trying to get up every 30 minutes. She's like, Sarah, I get so engrossed in my, in my work that I can't just like stand up every 30 minutes. Like it kind of like pulls me out of the zone. Um, So for her, we opted for alternating throughout the day with a sit-stand desk. So this is a great way that she doesn't have to be in one position over the other for a long period of time. And she can kind of just like stay in the zone, work for an hour or two standing, work for an hour or two sitting. And we've already noticed a huge resolution in her symptoms, um, especially towards the end of the week, when she's had like that cumulative stress. Um, Another thing that I can, you know, say for sitting is imagine like a uh, like a towel, like a beach towel rolled up or even like a sitting wedge. So, um, it sounds kind of funny, but like, if you imagine just like a wedge, it is actually going to where like the, the thicker angle is like closer to your back. And then the, the thinner side is going to like wedge you down. Um, and just sitting on that, like just sitting on a wedge is going to position your pelvis in just in such a way that it's going to slightly open up that hip joint and decrease the, Uh, impingement or compression that's going on. Um, Now, I don't believe that you should just be sitting on this thing all day long. And like, that's the only position you can sit on, but um like your next position is your best position and if you are someone who has to sit at a fixed desk maybe alternating between sitting on that and then not sitting on that and you know taking your 30 minute breaks can really provide you with some great um with some great relief throughout the day um another huge huge thing is exercise timing. So I know I mentioned earlier, a lot of people with hip impingement struggle with long flights. Um, I know one of my clients, she struggles with, um, going to work and sitting at work. And then oftentimes she will like go to a theater or she'll go like out to dinner with friends. And it's kind of like a long bout of sitting followed by another long bout of sitting, Um, and putting her exercises or putting people's exercises, um, like before that time that you know that you're going to be sitting, um, or even like directly after it's a huge thing that you can do to, again, increase that joint lubrication. So, um, for the flight example, like if you know that you're going to be on a long flight, then like, maybe it's best when you get to the airport to kind of walk around. Um, or if you have like a layover and to another long, potentially international flight, um, making sure that you're doing some like really just simple motions at the airport to get that hip moving and getting it out of that impinged position. Um, if you guys check out my six ways to ease hip pain ebook, um, this is, I'll put it in the show notes. There are like six different ways to obviously and decrease hip pain. Um, but there's a couple of specific exercises that I put in there that are really easy. You won't look crazy in public and can get that hip moving potentially before a long flight. Um, With my gal that maybe is working and then has, you know, dinner plans later on a Friday night, um, I'll be like, hey, uh, the end of the week for you typically when your symptoms are the worst. So what if you, you know, do your strength training and, or you're running in between dinner and work and see how that goes. And, you know, she just had great success. So exercise timing is a really great intercessor. I always say like, use it like medicine. Like you would take an Advil. Like what if you like did your exercise to try to decrease some of your symptoms instead of just saving it for another time. Um, in general, hips that have impingement respond really, really well to mobilization. And when I say mobilization, this could be something that is done like to you. So you could have a physical therapist do mobilizations to your hip to try to like increase um, joint space where potentially there's less joint space. There's also things that you can do independently. And you can, um, like I said, the banded exercise that that gal did There's tons of different exercises um, that I put on my Instagram or that are just available out there um, that allow the hip to be moved through a comfortable range of motion that is going to increase its ability to glide in the socket more comfortably um, and also have like a little bit of traction. So we're not having as much compression and mobilizations. I would say either, you know, with a PT or, um, or that you do independently, they're just so powerful. And I would say, honestly, the ones that you do independently are, are, I would say, even more powerful than the ones done to you because it really puts you in the driver's seat. So taking time, if you have FAI to work with a physical therapist who um, can assess you and kind of tell you, um, and can and can work with you, not tell you, but you guys work together to figure out which ones are the best for you. That's so powerful because all of a sudden you go from needing to go to PT to get relief to being able to do it really whenever whenever you need. Um, so there's so many options for this. Truly, like it can be really simple things that take no equipment. There's really cool ways you could put like bands around um, to increase the joint traction and mobilization. Um, But just want to highlight like how powerful and awesome those ones are. Um, Also hips that tend to have impingement just we'll see whether it's due to pain um, or just kind of like the way that the hip joint is laid out we'll often see, and the research is really showing this, we'll see that that side has a little bit less control around the hip, Um, sometimes people will have less control on the opposite side, which maybe leads to soreness to the hip. But let's just say for for the purposes of this podcast, oftentimes we'll see less control around the hip. And when I say control, it's like, if you think of doing something like a forward step up, when we're stepping up, if it's the right side, if we're stepping up on the right side, we might see like um, hip drop on that side where the pelvis is dropping down. We might see over rotation. Um, We might see some like dropping in at the knee or the trunk, like falling over that leg. Basically as you're going through motions of forward, step up, sideways lunge, um, you name it, all of these things, we can just see that that side is not able to stay um, stacked. Like you're not able to keep your shoulders stacked over your hips, stacked over your over your feet. Um, and this can be because there's just poor control and recruitment at the hip, again, from either the anatomical difference or from pain and soreness that has been um, over time. And working on this control can be a huge way that we can decrease some of the compression that's going on so if you think of the hip joint kind of like rubbing against each other and then potentially having a poor control pattern that causes more rubbing against in that area um, this over time is going to increase to more soreness at that joint level so working on improving your control around the hip through specific exercise tailored to you is going to be a huge way that you can overcome this. So a huge example um, that I have is for me personally, like when I am doing a like a forward hop on my right side. Like I just really want to fall into a collapsed pattern. Like my right shoulder just wants to like drive over my right side body. Um, I get a ton of like collapsing and compression into my front anterior hip. um, And that is where I get a lot of my soreness. Now, if you imagine, Forward hopping is a lot like running. And if you imagine that I'm running and running and running, and I'm just compressing, 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 compressing my hip, I'm going to end with more soreness than I do on the left side. But if I work on this motion, maybe I start with like a nice, just runner's lunge, or maybe I start with a slow down hop and try to work on my control, then all of a sudden, when I go and I do a high enough dose, it's just going to make a change. When I go out and go for a run, I'm actually able to have less compression to my interior hip and therefore less pain. So that's how control can be a really great way to intercede. Um, now once the control is better, so let's say I'm actually showing like, wow, Sarah, like you know, when you're jumping forward, your control looks so much better. Okay. Now we can actually bump that exercise, that simple forward hop or that simple runner's lunge up to a heavier level strength training exercise. So now that I have the control, let's make the muscles around that area so strong and coordinated that it's going to keep that pattern over and over and over again. So maybe I'm going to do like a weighted, step up, um, or maybe I'm going to do uh, like a weighted lateral lunge kind of training in, in a different plane of motion. Um, and by doing that, I'm going to improve. I'm going to continue to work on my control because you're, you're always working on control if you're doing strength work, but I'm going to also Dose it specifically for strength work. And I'm going to build up so much control and resilience around my hip with that strength work that when I go out to run, my body's gonna be like, oh, we've actually worked at a way higher capacity with the strength work, with the strength work than we have on this 60-minute run. That this is no problem for us to continue to endure this load without having any of that anterior hip compression. And therefore I'm going to feel a lot better. So that's a really cool way. That's really what I enjoy doing in my practice, either with coaching online or in the empower hit program, um, in, in person, I just really, really enjoy finding those little changes and, Put it in like allowing my clients to kind of coaching them on how to put the work in to make this huge long term impact um, that that is really a way that like puts them back in the driver's seat. Um, and to be honest, guys, like, I mean, if you do opt for surgery, there's nothing wrong with that, but some of these impairments might still be there post-surgery. So it's always great to assess that root cause and make sure that you're still looking strong and controlled over that hip. Um, and you're able to do the things that you want to do. Um, the last thing that I'll say is, um, sometimes if you feel like you've been to PT, hasn't really worked, um, two things that I would suggest for you. So number one, I would suggest to go to someone that has worked with what you have before. So if you are a female runner with hip impingement, it's okay to be the annoying person and call the PT office and say, hey, uh, my doctor referred me here, or I want to go here, direct access. Do you have anyone that has had success with female runners with hip impingement. Like, is there anyone that has had success with that? Because you know what guys, like we would have people call when I worked in private practice, um, like corporate private practice, we would have people call and like, honestly, they got great treatment. Like, because the people that were like, I don't really enjoy doing that or I'm not really well educated in that. Um, I like they just wouldn't come to see them, or it would kind of like light a fire under us to be like, Well, you know, if I'm stuck with this person that needs X, Y, and Z, I better make sure I'm ready to deliver because they're, you know, they're coming in hungry with wanting great information. So that's number one. Um, Number two, I will say, if you've been to a PT and you feel like it hasn't worked, another great option to try is a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, I mean, the pelvic floor is right there. I mean, it it is the hip. The pelvic floor therapists are excellent at understanding um, the pelvic floor and hip relation. And that could be another avenue to work on because oftentimes muscles around the hip on the pelvic floor on that side can become um, hypertonic, meaning tight and restricted and can become painful and sore. So that could be just another option. If you're like, I feel like I've done a ton of stuff and I don't know what else to do. That is another option of hope, but I want to end with just one fun story to just continue to elicit hope in you guys and just continue to, um, you know, continue to broaden your horizons of the things that you can do to, to overcome this. So, um, a couple of years ago, I was thinking of starting my hip practice and um i was we were out on the boat it was a beautiful day we were swimming and i was telling some of my girlfriends that i was thinking about starting this practice just working on the hip and one of my girlfriends was like oh like i will come to you like i have hip pain i've had it it's kind of been bothering me um she was young at this time probably like 25 26 and she's like yeah just kind of like started coming on and like It's, you know, kind of gotten pretty, pretty sore, but it's definitely worse when I'm in season. Um, She is an athlete that, that runs a ton in her sport. And um, she's like, I've been going to the chiropractor and they'll kind of like do this one thing to my hip, but I really have to just go constantly to have relief. Um, She has not had imaging on her hip and it has not gotten I mean, it's gotten severe, but she hasn't gotten to the point where she really felt like she needed to get imaging because it wasn't revealing anything, anything really serious um, at this point. So because her symptoms were able to come and go, um, she has not pursued imaging, but she came to me in my practice. And I mean, she really has clear symptoms of impingement with um, and my physical therapy uh, diagnosis. And, um, we, again, we really started with mobilization work for her. We worked on her control. She's less controlled over that side. And then we were able to progress to strength work. And this is a gal who probably is running. She's a frisbee player. So she is running, um, in season. She has two seasons per year that she's a part of, um, her, her like activity load ramps up a ton, like during those twice a year, and she's probably training four or five days a week. And she has been able to maintain her season load with like, I would say minimal to no pain. Like really she was going from every time she was in season to needing to see this chiropractor multiple times per week um to be able to overcome symptoms but in that one like bout of physical therapy that we did together in person uh for about 3 months she has been able to go through now she's been able to go through like two about two seasons and really just like self treat self know what to do uh the time and effort that she has to put into her hip is so much less than she used to it's just all about maintenance work and um, yeah, i'm just I'm just so proud of the way that she has been like persevered. She's persevered, and she's been hungry to just be like i I want this to be like squashed, and I don't want to have to be reliant on someone forever to make me comfortable in, in the hip journey. So I hope that this episode helps with hip impingement. Um, I hope some of the stories are just like hope provoking and just give you, um, excitement. And I also just hope this information like opens up your eyes, that there's so much that you can do. And if you feel like you've knocked on all of the doors. Like I promise there's just still more that can be done. If you are someone that's dealing with hip impingement, I would love to talk to you. I talked to tons of people, um, on Instagram or email, all of this stuff is in my show notes, um, about their hip impingement, or feel free to book a call at strategy with Sarah to talk to me about your hip impingement. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Legacy Running. If you haven't already, please share this out so more people can build their legacy. If you would like to work with me, Dr. Sarah, check out strategywithsarah.com and get access to schedule a time to chat about returning to run, pain, injury, or fear-free. There's more info on how to connect in the show notes as well. I look forward to talking with you soon. And remember, how you show up matters.